Welcome to Reality TV PhD. I'm Christina. And I'm M. Here's the deal. M and I were both in school for far, far too long. We decided it was time for us to climb out of the ivory tower and plop onto the couch to talk about our favorite academic subject, reality TV. From dating shows that make you question the future of humankind, to competition shows with 40-plus seasons, to that one show about a farmer trying to find a wife, for better or worse, we watch it all. We're here with hot takes, dissertations about topics you never asked for, and questions you wished another student would ask so you don't have to. Class has begun. Did you just wake up? Yes and no. Uh, that is not a question that has a yes or no answer. Or what am I saying? <laughs> I've been awake <laughs> for a little bit, but what just happened filled me with such panic. I was like, oh, I really need to, I need to have my coffee. And it was in the microwave. And I was like, it's 10.01. We're supposed to meet at 10. It's 10.01. She's going to, I was like, she's going to send me a fucking photo of her sitting on the Zoom. And it's going to make you feel horrible. So I opened my text and I was like, I have to send her a text now saying I'm coming. And I opened it and I had, I was trying to type in your name to send you a text and my texts froze. And I was like, no. And then I closed the whole, the whole thing. And then I opened it again and it would still open up with like half of your name spelled and I couldn't touch anything. And then I closed it again. And then I saw that I had another, I had an unread text message. And you and knew was, what it was. I knew what it was. I thought, you know what happened? That was a jinx moment where we were both trying to text each other. And, and we froze technology. We froze technology and then you won. Cheers to you. What I want you to know is that for the first time ever in almost a year, my notes for today's episode only make up one screen on my notes. I don't have to scroll. I, wow. Wait, how do you, how do you take notes actually? Where do you, what do you put them on? In my notes app. Me too. I, I have a podcast note. Me too. And I, I just guess... fill in the categories per week. I guess it's not that I shouldn't think that that's like a huge coincidence. It's like, no. yeah, what else would we do? Right. So this week, San Diego experienced um, a torrential downpour situation. And, you know, we weren't really warned that this was going to happen. Like we knew it was going to rain, but no one said like, this is, might be the worst it's ever been. So I was just sitting in this room on Monday mid-morning in my meetings. We have a leaking bedroom door that we need to get fixed like it's a where the glass meets the wood water gets in which is usually fine because there's no rain here very often and when it does rain it's fine unless it's like it's only gotten in twice when the tropical storm came and then this so like water was getting in it's like a little stressful and that happens I'm like wow we really need to get this door fixed or replaced and I'm like changing out the towels and then it's like it really starts coming down and I'm like oh my god should we like do something else here? And so I go outside to Daniel's garage to go tell him like, we need like to do something else. And I step into like five inches of water in the patio, sitting on the tiles and Daniel's garage office where he's working is like at ground level. And he's like a half an inch from water getting in his garage. And so I'm like banging on his door because he's in meetings and I'm like, this is important. And the door is locked. And I was, and he comes out and he steps in and he's like, oh my God, how do we stop this water from rising anymore? So that the whole 
converted garage doesn't get flooded. I'm telling you, it's raining so hard at this point because I'm so soaked in my clothes. I'm wearing a sports bra and cotton shorts that are soaked. Um, Daniel is also not wearing a lot of layers. I'll just say that. And we get a big trash bin on a dolly, wheeling dolly. I don't know why we have either of these things. Thank God we did. And then we have two buckets. And Daniel and I spent an hour getting the water from the buckets into the bigger bucket. And then Daniel would wheel it out to the street and push it over and then come back and we would do it over and over again. We probably did it like 15 times. I mean, it wasn't like we had to wait for water. Like the water was there for us to get full buckets worth of water, like dump and go. So anyway, this is a long way of saying I too did not take many notes because I did not have time to watch many things because I was dealing with the aftermath of this storm. I at first thought you were going to say it was raining so hard I did nothing but watch television. No, I wish. And then the story began and I forgot where we started. Yeah, yeah, no. I was like, what, what am about I? Yeah. Sandbags though. Yeah, well now we're getting, we have sandbags okay. now. <laughs> Just checking. I Man. mean, like everyone, so in like August or September, or maybe a little bit later in the year, there was like a quote unquote hurricane, Hurricane Hillary. Her first hurricane hitting San Diego in over a hundred years. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone, all people would talk about for weeks. And then it got here and it was a tropical storm. No shade to tropical storms, but I mean, consider me not impressed. And then wow. it kind of, it kind of just like, sorry, maybe it's offensive for people who have like had their houses destroyed in tropical storms, tropical storm. I think it was intense, but it missed most of San Diego. So it wasn't great, but it was like water. Some water came through our bedroom door for the first time ever. And like, that was it. I was like, Oh, that's not bad. And and most people in San Diego were like, yeah, I mean, there's like minor flooding when it's not bad. This not called anything just called rain rains coming. Just rain's going to rain. And it rained. What's the stat? It rained like three inches in like an hour or two. And San Diego is just not equipped for that volume of rain. Like our storm drains can't handle it. Um, so because it's usually like just a drought here. So it's like just totally wild. And I didn't have sandbags because I thought this was just going to be like a shower. Nope. I'll send you some footage later. My friend went out because she needed, I don't, I'd say her name is Patty. I say, Patty, sometimes when you think you need to do something, you don't take a step back and you actually don't need to do it. She had an appointment to take her car in for service. So she's like, I'm going to go drop my car off in the middle of this torrential down, down, down for, and then she took a lift back. I'll send you the, the video from the lift. She's literally driving through like waves of water on the street. So no, I watched this week. I actually have some questions from you, which is like, should I watch? The- I'm hoping you've watched these things. I'm like, should I watch these things? Because I didn't. I don't know if I have time to. I only watched the challenge. Duh, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Trade Traders. Oh, good. Are you yeah. actually caught up? Yep, 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 yep. I also watched RuPaul's Drag Race, but I didn't finish it. Not because I have a problem, but just because I literally ran out of time and I will, I will actually finish it. Okay. What did you watch? I mean, I didn't watch that much because there just wasn't that much to watch. So I, I watched The Traders, The Bachelor. 
Oh, I watched. Did I say that? I watched The Bachelor too. No, you didn't. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City conclusion and a few episodes of Queer Eye. That's it. Great. I have two questions for you that I'll ask after a report card about some of the things you just said. Perfect. I only have four grades. A, V, F, F. Ooh. Harsh. <laughs> I have A, B, and D. Okay. Wow. Really light Fine. for you. Yeah. It's light. Yeah. I got nothing. Light. L-I-T-E. Hopefully I have some thoughts in the brain, but. Well, it's okay if you don't. Um, My A is Temptation Island moving to Netflix. What? Yeah. I saw it somewhere. I didn't do, oh, do deep dive. I don't know if it's real. <laughs> is it real or not? <laughs> if it is real, it's an A. If it's not real, it's a great idea. Also an A. I'm pumped. That's as long exciting. as Mark as long as Mark Wahlberg stays. That show is Mark Wahlberg. They better not yeah. make any choices based on their weird claw machine of Netflix hosts. Yeah. Please keep that at home. We'll be pissed. Anyway, I feel excited about it because I feel like maybe it'll be slightly less of a hot mess. I just want to one le- level up yeah. from what I want it is that now. Netflix production value, yeah, honestly. Exactly. exactly. That's my mm-hmm. A. Well, my A is a little bit of seminar, just a little teaser, because I had to give a grade to this. And it is the challenge of the most recent episode of The Traders. Why don't we see more challenges like that? It's like the producers got in a room and said, what is the stupidest thing we can make these reality TV contestants do? And then they did it. Yeah. Tell people what it was. The group was divided into two teams. One stayed in the castle and one had to go outside. And honestly, was I paying very close attention? No. But the group outside had to do bird calls to the group inside who only who had to hear it and then run inside and find the corresponding statue of the bird, like a stuffed statue. But in order to remember the calls, you just have a bunch of people running around making these weird noises for minutes on end. I was like, they should do this with every animal. Every and animal. just to clarify, they would find the statues and you would press a button on the statues to make the statue make a bird call sound. And then you would have to see, is this the statue that makes the sound that I just heard? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I want to see this for every animal. I want to see this for pigs. I want to see this I want for a cows. safari edition. Yeah, I want I want just literally I would watch this version of this. If this is the challenge for the entire next season, just different animals. Great. Amazing. I do actually I have a question for you about this. Sorry to get into seminar just lightly right now, but Mm -hmm. I was thinking yesterday, I was like, the challenges are always how do I say this? Like compared to survivor challenges or challenges on the challenge these challenges are all like pretty doable yeah and i was just trying to think is that the optimal level of difficulty for these challenges because you don't really want people to be targeting other people based on their like athletic ability or something like you kind of want you don't want people's ability to perform in challenges to enter the deliberation part of like who should we vote out who should Except we like try it, to get? it still did at the beginning of the season yeah did incorrectly it? yes but there was a lot of discussion around the big men being eliminated oh and i believe for the first traitor kill they they killed bananas. bananas because they knew he would be a challenge beast 
I do think there was a more physical element to the challenges of season one. Yeah, I agree. That people are comparing against because there was one where they had to jump out of a helicopter into a frozen, not a frozen lake, but a cold lake <laughs> and swim back to shore. Scary enough that some people were like, I don't know that I can do this. So I do think there's been an element of physicality or at least an element of can you face your fear to do this? Yeah. That hasn't been present here yet. So I'm sort of curious to see if they've revamped the challenge element. Yeah, I was just thinking like, do I do I have a problem with this? I was just really thinking like, would it improve the game if if there were challenges where it was like clearer who the weaklings were and who the good people were? And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think so because I sort of view this as part of like the pitch package to reality TV stars. It's like, yeah, come to a castle in Scotland, wear cool clothes because you're not going to be stranded on an island. You'll compete in challenges, but like, look, we're not going to make you do anything where you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, that's a good pitch. I agree. Sign me up. <sighs> okay. Um, my B is the challenge. And a B is a good grade. Oh, it's all relative yikes. to what it used, what whatever the counterfactual is. And a B for the challenge is really moving up in the rankings. This season is in three stages. I don't remember what they're called. They all start with a C. I think this last stage is called conquest. Honestly, they're arbitrary. But in each stage, they like fundamentally change the game dynamic because game dynamics and the mechanisms through which people get eliminated. And we were stuck in the second stage for like eight weeks where the game dynamics were terrible and no one ever actually left the game. And as I mentioned last episode, it was just like, am I, am I having deja vu? This is like the same episode over and over again. This week we entered the third and final um, chapter and two people got eliminated and it's just great to see. It's great to see that the game's moving along. So shout out challenge. I don't recommend people watch the season yeah. still but um if you do watch the season you can literally skip the entire middle segment and you will miss nothing except for eight of the same episodes good god what an endorsement yeah selling it you have a b yeah i would say my b is in the same vein which is like taken in context of the episodes i gave my b to the bachelor yeah, it was a fine hour ish of television. We watched it live because sometimes if Taryn happens to be home and it was a night where we had like dinner at 430 and so we were free by the time it aired at seven. And I was like, should we just watch this? And yeah, it was fine. You know, I know what to expect. I was shocked that they played an actual song to start yeah. the episode. That Expensive. was wow. Good job. I can see what they're trying to do. Don't much care for it, which is that they're trying to lead us to believe that Joey's going to get turned down at the very end. Women were fine. There's a few women I really like. That's like a good sign for me. So we'll see. Do you want to be a part of my bracket? I would like to. Could I? Yeah. Let me. Um. And listeners, if you listen to this before. And I will put it on my to do list to send it to you. And if anyone who's listening to this also wants to be in it. I watched The Bachelor. I wasn't going to watch it, but then your pressure. My um, grad school advisor loves The Bachelor. She's also amazing at thin slicing, like 
what's going to happen based on the first episode. She's like, this person's going to win. And I'm like, what? How do you know that? And then it always winds up happening. God, anyway, I know who she thinks. I do too. I think she filled out her bracket, but I can't see it yet. Um, you haven't filled out yours? No, I filled out mine yesterday. Oh, okay. And let me tell you though, making, I was like watching the episode, episode one, and I was like writing down these women's names in my notes app. So many women. So I would basically many. like write down the name when they came on this on the screen and then I'd be like, okay, where do I think they're going to place? And I'd be like, top three, top five, top eight, top 10. But then like halfway through, it was like, boom, 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 boom. Like six women, like barely introduced. And I'm like, question mark, question mark, question mark. But a lot of them got eliminated, I think. And I definitely, I have some faves, but I have what? a lot of not faves. Who are your faves? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to put them in the bracket. Well, that doesn't mean that you think they're they're gonna win. Yeah, or I really it... like Daisy. Of course, I mean, whatever. I am every that's, woman. That's literally so hallmark of you. She's lovely. Look, I like. Of course, Christine. she's lovely, but like that's so editing. Also, they're like, do give Daisy the sparkle edit. Like this girl's so down to earth. Yeah, and also I gorgeous. Am an every woman sheep. Okay, I it's working on me. Every woman. Is that oh, the how? Yes. Okay. There's a lot of women. I'm like, good goodness, <laughs> Joey. What you doing? I have my bracket up. I'll tell you some women I like. Okay. You're going to have to give me descriptions. We have light content this week. So, right. So we can <laughs> yeah, do this. We do. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, I really, I think my favorite is Kelsey A from New Orleans. Oh, Kelsey A is great. She's a total weirdo. Total weirdo. There's another weirdo I like. The one from New Mexico. Does that ring a bell? It does, but who is that? Do you know what she looks like? I'm going to find her because I actually, yeah, I found her on Instagram. I went deep. Um, Kelsey A gave him a voodoo doll. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. God, I, I actually want to say this New Mexico girl is like another Kelsey. Oh, it could be. Let me find my history. He had a lot of chemistry with the other Kelsey, I thought. Kelsey T. We didn't see a lot of her, though, but doesn't mean anything. Okay. It probably means something. Oh, I loved all of the women from Hawaii. I Obviously, unsurprising, they cast women from there because he, quote, which, lives which there. Which of the women were from there? Is Rachel from there? Leah is from there. Rachel's from there. Yeah, I love Rachel. We love Rachel. She's an ICU nurse. I really liked her. Oh, those might be the only two, but I love them both. I thought they were, I mean, Leah's obviously being pushed to be a front runner. Well, right? we'll talk. We can talk. What do you think about her? Well, it's in my report card. Oh, got it. Okay. Can we talk about the sisters? Oh, Ugh. who does the older, who is the older sister yeah. Like, is mm -hmm. someone and mm -hmm. who is it? She reminds me of someone. You're so right. That's it's probably why I have such a visceral reaction to her. I'm like, like, oh, I don't like it. It's someone on reality TV. Maria reminds me of someone as well. Is that, do you feel that as that too? Maybe a little and bit, I but not as like her. Uh, Maria, I like just because it's kind of like, what's going on there <laughs> in an interesting way. She, she is interesting. It's I'm true. like, huh, you're kind of like a complex, multidimensional person. Everyone okay. is on the show, but like her, I'm kind of like, what, what's going on compared to Jess? Kind of like the hot mess of the episode. Mm, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what's going on there either, but I'm like less intrigued. 
Okay. So I'll give Maria the benefit of the doubt. She also has a really cool voice. I'm just going down this list I'm reading. Should we talk about the registered nurse and professor who's 26 years old? Who? From Canada? Nat. Nat. Nat? I think... I think I said that Nat will get eliminated next week. So I yeah. know she's not on my list. <laughs> uh, I just was like a 26 year old professor. Tell me yeah. more. And then Probably. I went on her Instagram and could not find anything to give me more. Nat, intel. I don't remember for those listeners who watched the bachelor and selling sunset. I sent this to Christina, but I really, it, <laughs> it, the, the Google image search is not, does not do it justice. You need to watch it. You need to watch this person on the bachelor and not look up an image of her. But pull up an image of, is it Alexandra Rose? Yes. Pull up an image from Alexandra Rose from Selling OC. And then have that up when you watch the next episode and wait for footage of Taylor on The Bachelor. And I'm telling you, these women, as Christina said, have the same plastic surgeon. Like yeah. It is like, so I was like, wow, they look so much alike in a very specific way. So please take a look. I think that's all I have to say. I'm looking, I'm looking. Good good bunch. Erica is super charismatic. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I had no idea. I had like a pretty good sense, I think, of who was going to make it to like the top eight. But after that, I was like, I have no clue who's mm. going to, who's he's going to choose. Oh, I found my number one. Her name is Caitlin. She's a 25-year-old radio chemist from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Caitlin? She has big plans for her future career in medicine and hopes her husband is supportive oh! and adventurous as well as feminist. I sent this to someone and said, wow, she is a catch. She hopes that Joy will be just as proud of her Vietnamese heritage as she is and will be able to fully embrace her culture and her free time. She enjoys traveling and rock climbing. She enjoys reading Sarah J. Moss fantasy novels and hanging out at a local cocktail bar. Can I be her friend? I'm Number like, one. <clears throat> I'm like, Caitlin, you are at the wrong party. I I know. She's the one She's, who did the science experiment for yes, her intro. yes, yes, yes. You and are at the wrong party. Come to come wrong to wrong party. Like, go in that door and turn right around and walk <laughs> out. Like, this is not. <laughs> this is not it for you. I think she's a catch. I don't think she will win. Anyway, that was fun. What's your next uh, grade? I have two F's, and they're both about the Bachelor. So I'll let you do Ooh. your D, and then I'll do my next. <laughs> Dark. All right, my D is. Ah, the queer eye drama about not about the cast, but attached to the episode three. Oh, no. Have you heard about this? Just tell me. Okay, I have to say, it's such a bummer that like I was texting in my my college friends group chat. Shout out Annie since you listen, and we all knew about it and didn't even tell each other until the next day because it was such a bummer. <laughs> So it's they, something that happens in an episode. So it's it's the sort of post episode context. They do, you know, their queer eye for a lovely woman named Doreen, who's actually one of the like top clarinet players in the world. Really cool, lovely. There's an element that one of my friends articulated as like, God, it's almost like these other episodes. There's a sensitivity to sort of race and class. In some some sense, but in this one, it's almost like a it sort of is gone. It's like they just did the. There's something off, and I can't articulate it. And I'm hoping to read more about it. But the drama is that they redo her mother's sweet shop so that she can eventually 
run this. She sort of let it fall into disrepair because she's, you know, just passionate about music. Her daughter wants her to have a second career, et cetera. That's why they focus on the sweet shop. She posted that there was theft and damage due to the Queer Eye production company and nothing has been rectified. And like in the comments of it, you see Bobby, who folks may know is leaving. This is his final season, who says like, hey, I'm not associated with this anymore. I don't really know what's going on, but can you reach out to me so I can at least try to take some steps to help you? Wait. And this was like an Instagram post that was being passed around by local musicians in New Orleans and has now sort of blown up and captured people's attention on Instagram and Reddit. So like, let me just get this straight. The Sweet Shop, which Mm -hmm. is owned by the main person's mom, Mm -hmm. they renovated it, like Bobby Mm -hmm. renovated it, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then what is the allegation that because of that it got like famous and people know so it, it hasn't been opened or anything it was like in the course of their work on this stuff was stolen and damaged like her property and like specifically property from her parents who are have passed and like like something bad happened and they just sort of stepped out and were like we're done wow which okay. like i think sort of aligns with my friend's comment about this like sort of energy that they've brought to the new Orleans work, which just feels like there's sort of, I don't know if gentrification is the right word, but there's like a different energy and it's definitely present in this episode. So I'd be really curious to hear what listeners think and D slash F, I guess it's just like shitty to hear and read about because we only want to have good feelings associated with this project. (sighs) And I mean, of course, I believe her and it just sucks. Sucks. And it's, you know, it just really sucks. And then you see Bobby in there trying to make it right. And he's not even present in the show. Any, I'm like, goodness. I'm Maybe it's to know what the dynamics are between the group that led Bobby to leave. Well, he gave an interview with Variety, I believe, where he's very open about everything. And? So he, because he sort of had to come out and talk about, because the allegations were about him and Tan having a falling out. And, you know, he said, he's like, we're fine. It's fine. It needed to happen. There was, it sounded like there was a stall in the negotiations and like, because of the weird group dynamics. And he sort of viewed it like I needed to leave so that the show could continue because it's much easier to replace me than like multiple people. And just seemed like he made a really mature choice and I think we can all be okay with them. Like I, I was heartened reading it. I was like, okay, I don't have to hate anyone. But now after reading this, I'm like, yikes. I hope everyone, you know, does the right thing. And yeah. Okay. Well, one of my um, pop quiz questions for you is should I watch Queer Eye season eight? And if so, what episodes? Two so far. I recommend. Okay. Interestingly, I haven't cried yet. So I've read, watched the first watch three. Then. I think you might cry with two. Keep me posted on when you watch the others and just let me know if there's like, if I should, if of all of them, what one should I watch maybe? I feel that Queer Eye really succeeds when they are honoring someone who is sort of like an unsung hero. Yeah. Instead of just like a person who 
has succumbed to our expectations of men in society or something, you know, like something like that. Yeah. But season two or season two, episode two covers uh, caregiver. Okay. And it's really beautiful. He's a lovely person. I can tell that it's stuck with my friend who shares my Instagram because she start- started following him. But honestly, <laughs> the story about, I don't know why, but the story about Stark. the store is making me feel like, I don't it's, know if I can like, yeah, see it in the same way. It's, it might almost feel like fake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's how we all felt, which is why we were like, oh, uh, no. so, oh my God. Reality TV is fake. I know. No. But like Queer Eye is really, really supposed to be not It's like a bright spot, right? Yeah. Like this is the show that I watched to make me feel good. Yeah. And now I cannot. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, my two Fs are about The Bachelor, despite, you know, enjoying the first episode somewhat, yeah. but really enjoying it. the preview. So I, the preview really got me for the season. I think I will be tuning in. And you know what? That's great. That means that I'm open to changing my mind about things. And that's something we should all aspire to be. I'm amazing. Okay. My Fs are Joey and Jesse talking to each other. Can you remind me who Jesse is again? I know it's been five minutes. I am obsessed with you. Jesse is the literal host. Oh! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> okay, you have to say Jesse Palmer, okay? Oh, sorry, JP. I, like, I can't remember my issues, okay? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was not, I did not perspective take. Joey, the lead, and Jesse Palmer, the host, talking to each other. It's like two athletes talking to each other. And it's like, there's no substance to what they say. And yet they're saying words. Fascinating phenomenon. I don't need to see much of it this season. They're just, ugh. you know, that David Foster Wallace essay about like, you know, like, I don't know. Sorry. Anything. That's okay. I don't know much about David Foster Wallace. I Rest forget in you're peace. in tech. You're bro adjacent. Oh yeah. But let me let, listen. Okay. Listen. Sorry. Listen. I can't. But no, no. Now we're going. Now out. we have to talk about it. Now we talk about it. At one point in college, I bought Infinite Jess because everyone was like, God, read Infinite Jess. And I started reading it and I felt like my mind was going, was breaking with all the footnotes. I was like, oh my God. Like, I don't think my brain might explode. I was reading it on the L, public transportation. And I got through like 10 pages and some bro came up to me and he was like, Oh, like, do you like it? Like, I've been thinking about reading that. And I literally was like, you can have it. And I gave it to him because I was like, this is not it for me. <laughs> wow, I, I love the ending to that story. Thank you. Uh, So I haven't read that, but I have read some of his essays. Okay. His, like, That's um, obviously that. that lobster essay. But then mm-hmm. he has like whatever book of essays that essay is in has one about some famous tennis player and like how depressing it is to watch famous athletes talk about their craft because like they're so inarticulate and they don't say anything that makes it make sense that they're like so amazing at it they're just really good at a sport they're not like very good at like talking about something in a charismatic way so you're gonna never be i'm really reducing this i read this 10 years ago maybe the message is something different but that's what i left with it being like Ah, yes. That phenomenon where you watch someone who's like really amazing at something and then they're like asked about it and you're like, wow, that's so what a letdown. I didn't get anything from that interview. Joey and Jesse Palmer talking to each other is like that incarnate for me. I noticed when he was greeting all the women that come out of the limo on the first night. Normally, the lead will sort of say things that the camera will capture like wow, this is 
all these women are beautiful. I don't know, you know, just something while they're standing there alone. He never did. He not was not good at articulating his internal world. They had to cut to his like confessional. Yeah. Really I, look, I really like, I like Joey. Way I like to Joey live, too. Like a normal human. No, I like Joey to too. But I don't want to watch him talk to Jesse Palmer. Yeah. I don't really want to watch anyone talk to Jesse Palmer. Well, Jesse Palmer is a great ESPN host you know like on the weekends when we're watching sports jesse palmer will be at the round table talking about sports with all these sports guys and i'll be like whoa god isn't it cool how men can have their stuff enter into the women's sphere of interest but women god forbid attend a football game and men have to totally lose their shit you're talking about taylor swift i am oh, okay Shout i'm talking out. about taylor swift and uh, what, are, what are you not talking about Taylor Swift? No, I'm actually really <laughs> pissed off about this. About the rise how often she... of AI oh, well, sexual yeah. assault videos of Taylor Swift in football stadiums. It's just yeah. disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. And yet we can have a football commentator host The Bachelorette and be fucking fine. Yeah. We can read David Foster Wallace and be fine. Yeah. Yet, oh my God, a man cannot pick up an Ann Patchett book. Good God. Yeah. I'll never get over this. <laughs> it's really horrifying. And I, if it's okay, I don't really want to talk about it because it really disgusts yeah, me. It's really disgusting. I have done a really, I put a lot of effort into not going down that rabbit hole. I haven't hole. clicked on one article. So apologies yeah. if I described it yeah. wrong, but I will, I'm not, not reading. My other F goes to, is it Leah who got the first impression rose? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one God. they're trying to just shut up. Fucking just <laughs> stop. I listened to a podcast re- recapping the first episode of The Bachelor and they're like, Leah's amazing. Like, what an amazing person. And I'm like, I don't think she's not an amazing person, but this reaction to this whole letter thing to me is like a, ugh. Just the drama of throwing it in the fire. I'm just like, do you agree with me? It was just so much. She's like, I don't want to take this experience away from you. I don't want to take away your autonomy. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, but- Okay. It's not like a death sentence that you just got this letter and it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm not being sympathetic enough. Bachelor contestant used the word autonomy in describing. She used it, right? Yes, she did. And I feel more that it was the poise and way that she reacted and articulated her internal world to Joey that had people being like, this woman, wow. But it's, it's not, no. The cool thing to do, like the real, uh, the real like badass thing to do is just to be like, just skip over all of that emotional reaction and processing and articulation. Although she had great articulating it, I agree. And just realize like, I don't have to do this. Yeah. The game does not control me. I exactly. too am an autonomous person. Yeah. I'm an autonomous. What's an autonomous? Automaton? What's an automaton? you know no okay um so anyway i'm sure she's lovely but i was just like the it's not it's not the lady doth protest too much but it's it's somewhere around that yeah sentence. too much if they really wanted to start something give it to one of those sisters yeah for sure 
All right. My only other pop quiz question is, should I watch the last episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Or not really. I watched some clips that seemed like the hottest parts of it where Heather really got Monica, got her good. And then Lisa was like, production, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dope. And now I'm like, do I have to watch the rest of this? Yeah. Okay. You reminded me I watched this and I do in fact have a thought. My sort of shocking takeaway that, again, I haven't really dipped into any discourse around this, so I don't know if other people were like, excuse me, was the reveal that like Monica knew a lot of this stuff because she installed and had the monitor for the cameras in Jen Shaw's home. I didn't know that either. But yeah, when I watched the clip, I was like, that's real fucked up. That's like super disturbing. And for me is the like, oh, is reposting this stuff bad? Well, yeah, that that is like really disturbing and is a huge invasion of privacy, no matter what your relationship is to that person. The other thing was, I thought the women, not Monica, did ultimately convince me that what she did was inappropriate because of the timelines, receipts, et cetera, that they brought. Unfortunately, the way in which they articulated all of that and used showed their evidence was just absolutely horrible. And it was really Andy that helped make the argument for them. Like, what's her name? Heather. <laughs> Why can't I do this? Heather, I love you. But like, I... It really, they were just, it was not a, I was like, okay, where are the lawyers here? I think actually what Monica did is pretty bad, but it is getting lost in translation behind the emotion and inability to articulate a coherent argument from the housewives. But Heather's kind of thing that she went on looked compelling to me. She She did the best. Yeah. She had like a three minute thing and Monica tried to talk over her and she just kept it straight line. You did this, you did this. And then Lisa came over at the end being like, and something about production. Yeah. I can't even remember. Oh, Monica saying that she told production about this. And Andy was like, no, you didn't. If she did, we would have video, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready to talk about the traders. Do you have anything else? Yes. I'm okay. ready for the oh, traders. No. Okay. No, you yeah. don't have anything else. Yes, ready. I'm ready. Um, I really want to get into this. I want to get into some of the strategy. Well, so for everyone who's following along, this is through episode five of season two. And US, because I'm gleaning that there's another concurrent thing airing. The UK is airing. It has taken up the Reddit feed. Mm -hmm. I was in there trying to read stuff because I watched the episode early. I'm like, excuse me, I'm from the US, US centric. Where are my comments? There is a different subreddit for traders us oh good okay. but i was like there i saw all these posts with people's names where i was like who is that and it was like after a while i was like oh there's got to be another version of this yep. <laughs> i too had that experience and this this is an episode where we finally can talk about strategy yes and to everyone's great surprise it's because of pilot pete from the bachelor well let me first say that the traders is a great example of finding a game design that is like foolproof, basically, and just letting things play out and not overdoing anything. Everyone is obsessed with this show right now. They're like, this is like the best show, this best reality TV out there right now. And it's just because it's a simple premise. And then you get to fully trust the cast 
within the rules that are constructed. It is just a delight. So anyway, I wanted to say that. But yes, Pilot Pete. Well, let's back up a second. This most recent episode, they choose to murder Tamra. A housewife. A right? housewife. Tamra Judge, I think is her last name. A housewife from um, the OC. Okay. What did you think about that choice? It was fine. It made sense. After Parvati in the last roundtable got onto the housewives for, quote, being actors, which was pretty funny. I don't really think she knew what she was stepping in. And then the traitors choose to murder a housewife. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't really get about that. Well, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I didn't really have a lot of thoughts on it. I was just kind of like, what is this accomplishing? Is it throwing I think the heat? It- Throwing yeah. people just making confusion. No, I think it was they were trying to because Harvardy had sort of brought them the microscope a little closer to who's the other trader? Phaedra. Phaedra. It was like, uh, okay, now let's create some separation by murdering yeah. a housewife because the idea is that a housewife wouldn't murder a housewife, oh, which got it. You know, assumes a lot of things about yeah. how people would play but it is true like that the housewives do tend to travel in a pack so based on how they've been acting i think it could be a fair assumption it, it seemed to make honestly the most sense of all of their murders yeah okay i get it all right now we can talk about pilot pete pilot pete the true strategist of this game i feel like I feel like Johnny Bananas would have been doing stuff like this too. Yeah. And I, I honestly would have loved to see it. I would have loved I know. for Johnny to still be in the game. Maybe we'll get him to come back next season. We can talk about that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Gone too soon. Not a strategy moment, but when Alan, the host, says it's time to seize the day at breakfast and Pilot Pete goes in response, carpe diem, just like purely. You loved that. He just says it with such pureness. He was like, seize the day, carpe diem. Like almost like a thank you. No, thank you. Seize the day, everyone. Carpe diem. I was like, wow. That pureness <laughs> is why I had such hope for Pilot Pete's season of The Bachelor. I know. Unfortunately, production really got to him. Yeah. No man comes out unscathed. But God, he was so pure to begin with. Unfortunately, then we met his mother, but now he can return to that pureness in our collective reality TV memory, I feel. I think it made me appreciate, like this episode made me appreciate how important it is not only to select traders that are going to be good traders, but to leave certain people as faithfuls who will be like really interesting faithfuls. And and Pilot yeah. Pete is like doing the most interesting stuff as a faithful, in my opinion. Truly, truly, he's he's doing an amazing. He, he's job. on a different level, kind of, which we'll get into. But I don't want to get I don't want to get into the okay. So Tamra dies at night. Everyone's like, oh my god, what a housewife's dead. And then Alan comes in and does a speech, <laughs> and then goes sees the day. And Pilot Pete goes carpe diem, and then they all gather to do this challenge. And the big, the big gotcha, or not gotcha, but the big twist is that only the people who are in the outside group can possibly be eligible to get the shield that will protect them from a nighttime murder. Murder. You like that? Uh, like is a strong word. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
God forbid I get a compliment. Withhold your affection, please. So it's a fight over who can be outside. And Pilot Pete, who's it? Pilot Pete, Bergie. Trishel. Trishel, Janelle. Not Janelle. Oh, no. I might confuse the two. Kevin. Kevin. Yes. Oh, Kevin. Sheree. Maybe. Anyway, there's six people. And of them, Pilot Pete is one and Bergie. This is important. Um, So... They're all out there doing the bird calls and potentially they're all trying to get a shield so they are safe. And turns out that Bergie and Trishel, I think, get the shield. Peter has a genius idea where he's like, don't tell. Peter is convinced that no one in the outside group is a traitor. And guess what? He's right. This part of his strategy, I'm like, okay, it's so bulletproof. That could have gone very wrong. Could have gone very wrong. Listen. Yeah. You know, half of them, I think, is correct to assume. Definitely not Bergie. Definitely not Kevin. Oh, God. We have to talk about Kevin. But (laughs) God, that's the name of a book. I like we have to talk about Kevin. I liked what Peter was trying to do, but there are so many holes in his logic where I was like, I can't honestly like it's a basically he was trying to run an experiment and he just introduced like um, basically a thousand threats to the validity of the experiment. Like assumption number one. These five people other than me aren't traitors. Like they are not traitors, a hundred percent. And that has to be true for his experiment to work. And it's like that's a huge assumption because that's like half the cast. And it was true, which is so fucking wild. I know, but like he has no, like he has anyway. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. He's not a scientist. He's <laughs> pilot, which is also great. We respect. Um, <laughs> shout out Taryn. Sorry, I'm, I don't know why I'm recapping this in such extreme. I really wanted to say this, all of this explanation, just to make the comment that Bergie running around in a red, yellow, green outfit is the best thing I've seen on my TV. Did you notice his like pseudo primary color color oh, block yeah. outfits mm-hmm. with the it red tracks. hat, the yellow, the yellow sweater he was wearing? And I think it was green pants. Do you think his girlfriend helped him with all of this? I don't know, I but he's so. looking good. Much better than so. he was. Yeah. Okay, so that's really what I wanted to say, and I really got just lost on the no, whole strategy. No, it was thing. a good setup because I do <laughs> want to talk about the strategy that ultimately yeah. results, and I'm glad you framed it as an experiment because it truly was. Yeah, and it is shocking to me that it worked out so well for him. In, but the know. problem is, Christina, and this is I will I will die on this hill. It worked out for him, but like. And he's going to assume it worked out for him, which happens to be true, but he should not yeah. assume anything. Right. And and what I'm hoping is that there's someone at the round table that will be like, excuse me, this logic is so flawed because you're making this assumption. Multiple assumptions. So Peter not only tells Peter's whole thing is we're not going to tell the traitor who I think the traitors are who actually has the shield. And in fact, I'm going to give the traders incorrect information about who has the shield. And then if they try to, because I think that they're going to, they're going to want to kill Bergie. Bergie actually has the shield. So if I try to get them to think that Peter, me, Peter has the shield and they try to kill Bergie and Bergie doesn't die because he has the shield, then I'll know that one of the people that I gave the incorrect information to is a traitor. Okay, number one, he tells all of the people outside know who actually has a shield versus not. So there's information seep number one. 
uncontrolled information seep. Also, by the way, Peter, people can talk to other people. Like anyone in that group could go to someone else and be like, we're doing this plan. There the plan comes comes full. Then he tells, then he tells um John, another person, just another person, he's gonna tell the plan to. So now he's now six people fully know what his plan is. And he's just banking on the fact that none of those six people are, are secretly a traitor, nor will they tell any of the traitors any of this. Big assumptions. And then this is the worst part of the experiment to me. He tells three people who he thinks are traitors this information. He tells CT, not a traitor, Dan, a traitor, and Parvati, a traitor. And I think people are like, wow, he's amazing. He identified two traitors that he told this information to. But you know what's going to happen? It could be any three. He's going to think it could be any three of them. And if he told three people that weren't traitors, he'll think, well, anyway, I'm just saying he should have just chosen one person and he shouldn't have told this plan to anyone else. That is a better experiment. I feel really strongly about this. Oh, yeah. I was like this. Look, you're going to be right. It's going to work out, but you're going to lose the ability to convince people of your experiment at the round table. Yeah. And they're probably going to throw one of the traders under the bus. It's going to be Dan. And that's it. Honestly, though, he might convince them that it was a good experiment because it seemed like everyone who heard it was like, oh, it's a great idea. Great idea. And it's like, Ugh. but you have to stop telling. Liter- you know what yeah. it reminded me of? Jake on the on Survivor. Being oh like, God, no. being like yeah. uh, telling he found the immunity idol and he's like, I want to keep this a secret. And then in every one on one, he was like, I'm not going home tonight. And then he throws his immunity idol in, the, in front of the person's face. And I was like, Jake, stop. Your only your only power was withholding this information. It is not a secret when you tell people individually Every, it, yes. together. That's not. No. It's, sorry. You're so right. It's like, okay, maybe if I just tell people one on one, it's different yeah, than it's if different. I had them in a group and I told them all at the same time. Guess what? It's honestly worse. Because <laughs> then everyone's going to be talking about it without you. It's less efficient as well. Yeah. Let's do an announcement. So let's talk about how this is going to, let's talk about the traitors deciding who they're going to kill. <sighs> they have this discussion just as Peter predicts. And Parvati, Queen. she is smart, figures it out. And she's like, this is a trap. Yep. Now, Dan says, Peter's not that smart. It's not a trap. I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about the gender dynamics of this conversation because it felt like the way Dan was talking to them was like, my voice is the only voice that matters. This is not a democracy. Like, I have to agree to something. Mm-hmm. And he said it like, I let you have these other ones. It was just gross to me. And the women were not playing that way, in my opinion. But it was just, I'm like, this is just some like ingrained patriarchy bullshit here. And I think he's going to get what he wants, which is going to create all this subsequent chaos. But I hated I hated how he was playing it. A part of me did wonder, since everyone says Dan's a great player, but I don't know. I've never seen him. I don't think he's a great player. I wonder if it's just because he's a man. Sorry. If he is a good player, he should know that this is a trap and still push for it to get Parvati out of the traders mm. and then throw her specifically under the bus. I have to tell you, it, he might 
It would be wild if this were true, but he could be doing that. I did think that and texted some people to memorialize my yeah intelligence. Deep yeah, but I I the more and more I'm talking, I just don't think he's actually. A good player. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't think he's a great player either. But I could see like maybe this isn't his intention. But if he goes for this and it fails, he might be like, okay, what's my plan B? I'll frame it on Parvati. Parvati. Yeah, it's going to be a plan B. And what I hope is that Parvati and that Phaedra. Phaedra turn it around on him. So I like froze my screen during the previews for next week. Okay. So did everyone I know. Yeah. So maybe they're trying to throw us off, but I do think they try to kill Bergy and Bergy secretly has immunity. And so he survives, but then we see this like big preview that Dan's going to like drop a bomb finally and say who he thinks the traitor is. It's going to be poverty. That's Phaedra. exactly Exactly. That's what I was thinking. And he had told everyone because they were pressuring him. I will tell you a traitor tomorrow if I'm still alive. And he said that prior. And so that's my clue that maybe he is thinking like I'm going to set Parv up because if Bergie survives. Yeah. And then we have this preview from the beginning of the season where we see Phaedra saying to Peter, pilot Pete at the round table, like, I don't have to get your rose. Like this isn't the bachelor. I don't have to buy for your rose. So then I think he comes on Phaedra at some point from pilot Pete. So I don't know. I'm feeling good about the, the faithfuls approach here. It, it is a good approach. Is it perfect? No, but no. finally fucking doing something. Yeah. Which is better than truly the nothing they have done because yeah. it's like they go into these round tables based on, stereotyping and norms around emotional responses like they don't have any evidence at least attempt to get some evidence come on people yeah the uh one other thing i have notes obviously the sandra and janelle back and forth is iconic people have written it out and and like pass that around as like just an image that they passed around and it is so good team sandra team sandra all the way and truly it's like when you poke the bear. Yeah. We have to talk a little bit about Kevin during this round table saying, start. Oh God. We all know this person. Kevin. Kevin is like the first or second person to speak at the round table. And everyone is being very quiet and listening to him. And he goes, I want to say something. And I want to say it without anyone interrupting me. And it's just like, wow, what a way to just make everyone not want to listen to whatever you're about to say. There's no doubt. Like if someone is already being like, um, Christina, I want to say something. And by the way, I would I don't want you to interrupt me when I say it. OK, it's kind of like, well, OK, I'll, I'll just room. go take a nap or eat a snack or something. He thinks he's way smarter than he actually is. And it's tough to watch. Sorry, Kevin. He but- might be really smart, but like. You could be really smart, but like whatever, however smart you think you are is higher than that. Kevin from Bling Empire fame. Honestly, he falls into the same pattern every season of that show. Oh, really? I've never seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's so I think this is true to form. And I just want to say, Kevin, first, don't take the lead at any strategic roundtable. And second, she's just not that into you. Oh, really? It's like the whole series. He's af- going after this one woman. And like, if she wanted to date him, she would date him. 
painful. Sometimes logic is painful, though, especially in matters of the heart. How do you feel about Kate Chastain being brought in at this point? I love Kate Chastain. I'm a Kate Chastain stan. I like that they are continuing to switch it up. However, I do wish we had her for longer. I don't really know how bringing someone in mid-season is going to play out. And if she gets to the end, she's not going to win because people will be mad that she didn't play the whole game. Yeah. The only negative remark I have about the show is like I as an audience member, and I'm not sure what the players think, have about when this thing ends, like how it ends. If you can just add more people or if last season you can just like choose a faithful to be a traitor at like the penultimate week. It's kind of like, how do we maximize our winning on either side if we're not really sure how this thing could come to a close? Like if someone can just be added randomly, it's just tough to let people really play to their fullest capabilities. Totally agree. I mean, there there's a part where you have to have some of the rules. Yeah. This is like famously what the problem is with the challenge is that they never tell people anything about how the rules change every season or multiple times a season and players never know what the rules are until it's like the very end of something. And it's like really bad TV to watch people not be able to play well because they haven't been given information about what the game dynamics are. I do love that Kate Chastain stated she would like to be a traitor because of the turret and the cloak. Well, maybe she heard Taryn's podcast. I could see Kate Chastain definitely butting heads with one of the women this season. So looking forward to that. But yeah, not we'll see. We'll see, I guess. And we didn't really get a chance to talk about this. So I do want to bring us back to the previous episode for and talk about the poison chalice. Oh, yeah. And just how this all played out. And the main thing I want to say is when Dan and Phaedra were commenting on Harvity's choice of who to poison, which was Ekansu, also some great memes based on that, neither of them did anything no. to help the situation. And it's one of those things where as a viewer, you're like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? yeah. Neither of you are willing to stick your neck out, so you have absolutely no Agreed. right to comment. I really, yeah, fully sympathize with poverty. I was like, okay, do you guys want to do it? Yeah. Are you kidding? Like, Phaedra didn't even meet for the strategy combo. She was no. just like, I'm fucking Actually, out. all Phaedra did was, like, prevent poverty from being able to do this the first time she tried. <laughs> Which, honestly, is, like, great. Like, good for you, Definitely very much the Sandra, yeah. anyone but me vibe. So kudos, but no. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, good. I think the I think the faithful are gonna win. I do too. The, I'm I'm having some hope. Me too. No Any quotes. No quotes for me. No quotes, no thoughts. Wow. God, I don't even know what to end on. Well, I'm I just- do. Okay. Okay. I'm Christina. I'm M. <laughs> Class dismissed. And that's the episode. This podcast was recorded and produced by us, M and Christina. The views, thoughts, and opinions are ours alone. Special thanks to Caroline Reedy for episode art. 
check out her work at doot underscore doodles on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. Want to get in touch? Send us an email, realitytvphdpod at gmail.com. See you next week. Yeah.